podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and with me is my new co-host, Linda. Say hi to the nice listeners. Hi to the nice listeners. Oh, oh, come on now. Don't be silly. Don't be shy. Shy? With where your hand is? Hey, hey, we're, we're trying to produce a friendly show. A friend would have bought me dinner before sticking their hand up. Okay, 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 okay that's enough. Uh, let's do a trick. I'll drink a glass of water while you talk to the listener. That'll be amazing. That I can drink while you talk? No, that you'll drink something other than liquor. All right, that's enough. Back in the box. No, 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 I don't want to. Oh, er. Go, just come on, come on. Sorry about that, folks. Bad idea. I'll bring Lydia back next month. So let's move on to the show. Before we start, I want to first thank you for tuning in. And for anyone who hasn't already, let you know that you can listen and subscribe to the show by visiting Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and now Spotify. And I encourage you to please rate and review us at any of those outlets. You can also just search for us in the podcast app of your choice and we'll show up. You can join our Facebook group. Just search for Orphan Entertainment. If you'd like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, please type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Again, just search for Orphan Entertainment. There you can watch many of the films we have covered here on the podcast, as well as know a little in advance what film we're going to be covering next. All these links are on our webpage at orphanedentertainment.com. So let's listen to a five-minute mystery and a promo for another podcast. And when I return, I'm going to talk a little bit about Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Another five-minute mystery. Oh, there you are, Mr. Campbell. I've been waiting for you very anxiously since your call. I hurried down here as fast as I could. Mr. Campbell, if your evidence can give me a clue to the identity of Mr. Martin's killer, we'll break this case wide open. Lieutenant, it's not an easy thing for me to bear. First, my partner was killed, and now with this photograph I'm putting on your desk, I condemn as the murderer his wife. Good heavens. Why didn't you show me this sooner? I thought you might suspect her and solve the case and... I would have been able to remain silent. Look at this picture. It's the perfect evidence. His body on the floor in front of the couch and she leaning over him with a gun still in her hand. Why, this will send her to the chair. I know. It wasn't easy for me to give it to you. How on earth did you ever get it? Well, I had an appointment with my partner at a little after 11 p.m. at his house. Mm-hmm. When I came up the walk, I was surprised to see that the house was dark. Yeah. You see, you must pass the large bay window in the living room when coming up the walk. The room was very dark, but by the faint light from some burning coals in the fireplace, I could see Mr. Martin's body lying in front of the large couch. You could. Yes. I saw my partner's wife come into the room. She had a gun in her hand. Well, how did you get the picture? Well, I've always been a camera enthusiast. I happened to have a small box camera with me, and without her noticing me, I took a picture of the room. It's really a remarkable photograph. I've kept it hidden for several days, but when you found no trace of the murderer, I decided that you would have to have it. I'm glad you did, Mr. Campbell. 
isn't exactly safe to withhold evidence. But now we have it, and it looks like the Martin case is closed. Yes? Mr. Campbell, there's a gentleman from the police department to see you. Oh, send him in. Always glad to help the police. Well, hello, Lieutenant. It's good to see you. Sorry to bother you, Mr. Campbell. It's about the Martin case. Oh, but I thought the case was closed. You've arrested Mrs. Martin, haven't you? Yes, but there are some points about the case that still puzzle me. Really? But you have the evidence in black and white. Mm, But have I? Will a jury accept the picture? You've heard of process shots, haven't you? No, I don't believe I have. You're lying, Mr. Campbell. That picture you gave me was a phony. And I can prove that your whole expedition that night was a contrived fairy tale. How does the police lieutenant know that Campbell lied in his story? In just a moment, we'll know, but first... Was A Quiet Place inspired by signs it comes at night in War for the Planet of the Apes? Was Ready Player One influenced by Avatar, Wreck-It Ralph, and The Last Starfighter? Is the Hurricane Heist more influenced by Sharknado or Geostorm? These are the kinds of questions my guest co-hosts and I discuss on my podcast, Piecing It Together. Every week, we look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies inspired it, whether it's the story, the character development, tone, or even use of music. Every movie was influenced by something that came before, and we want to figure out what. Check out Piecing It Together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com. You can also follow us on social media at piecingpod. Piecing It Together is a part of the All Points West Podcast Network. And now, back to our story. Mr. Campbell, you don't think I fell for that story about your being a camera hound and accidentally being on the spot for the picture of the year, do you? For if you were a photographer, as you claim, you'd know that the feeble light from a dying fire is hardly enough with which to take a picture in a darkened room. If you'd used a flash, she would have seen you, but that was impossible. Because she wasn't even in that room. But you were, Mr. Campbell. And you killed your partner and dummied up this fake picture to throw a blame on his wife. Snap judgment's supposed to be a dangerous thing, Campbell. You proved it. <laughs> Today I have a radio show from Edgar Bergen. Bergen was an actor, comedian, and radio performer, best known for his ventriloquism act and his characters Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd. And yes, he is the father of actress Candace Bergen. When Edgar Bergen was just 11 years old, he taught himself how to throw his voice, learning from a pamphlet that he had. Where that came from, I'm not sure, but he practiced throwing his voice by playing tricks on friends and family, and probably strangers as well. At the age of 15, he commissioned Chicago woodcarver Theodor Mack to create a ventriloquist dummy's head while he created the body himself. The character that would help define his career, Charlie McCarthy, was born. While attending Lakeview High School and working in a silent movie theater, Bergen gave his first ventriloquist performance at Waveland Avenue Congressional Church. After school, Bergen moved on to performing in vaudeville and in short movies. While playing at the Rainbow Room, some show producers saw his act with Charlie and recommended them for a guest appearance on Rudy Valley's radio show. Bergen and Charlie were such a hit, they were offered their own show. So in 1937, the Chase and Sanborn show opened with Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy starring as the headliners. 
Bergen was on the radio from 1937 to 1956, going through different sponsors and different titles for the show, including one show that was actually called The Charlie McCarthy Show, kind of highlighting the popularity of his alter ego. Outside of the radio show, Bergen and McCarthy would appear in movies together, sometimes with top billings such as The Goldwyn Follies and You Can't Cheat an Honest Man. Bergen also appeared in several films without Charlie. Those films included uh, I Remember Mama and Don't Make Waves. Plus, he appeared as the original Grandpa Walton in the television movie that preceded the popular series. After radio, Bergen made numerous guest appearances on television shows, even playing a character called Charlie McCarthy. He also continued to make movies and appear live on stage with his act. His final movie was a cameo in the, in the 1977 The Muppet Movie, and this would be his last screen appearance. He died shortly after finishing the movie in 1978. In case you're curious, Charlie McCarthy is still with us. You can go and visit him at the Smithsonian Institution. Now, the show I have for you today is a New Year's Eve program from 1944, and guest stars Charles Lawton. Definitely take note of Lawton and McCarthy's uh, giving each other all sorts of grief. This was an ongoing gag with McCarthy and many of the guests that would appear on the shows. The makers of Chase and Sanborn Coffee bring you Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, and Don Amici. New Year's greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and best wishes for 1945 from all of us. Our guest, Charles Lawton, and our regular group, Ray Noble and his orchestra, Bill Foreman, Joan Merrill, Effie Klinker, Edgar Bergen, and Charlie McCarthy. Don't look now, folks, but it's almost 1945. <laughs> Charlie, yeah. let's introduce Effie Klinker to Don Amici. Yeah, that's a good idea. Oh, Don. Yeah, Charlie, yeah. Don, would you like to meet a beautiful girl? Well, I certainly would. Yeah. Yeah. I'll fix it. Yeah. Effie, Effie, Effie. What have I done? What have I done here? <laughs> Well, Effie, I want you to meet Don Amici. Oh, Don Amici, where, 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 where? No, over here. Where, hmm? Oh, so you're the charming Effie Clinker, huh? <laughs> Loosen my bobby socks. Well, why? I'm going to swoon. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> well, what's the matter, Effie? You seem rather excited tonight. Mm, well, who wouldn't be? This is the last shopping day in leap year. Yeah. <laughs> Now, you're not serious, are you? Oh, no. Oh, you are? Why do you think I'm wearing this mistletoe in my hair? Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Sort of a mistletoting mama, huh? <laughs> That's very good. It's awfully good, awfully good, awfully good. Mr. Michi. Yeah? Doesn't mistletoe just make your lips pucker? <laughs> Why, now, Effie, don't tell me you're a promiscuous kisser. Oh, no, 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 dear, no. But I could learn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now, don't you know, Effie, a girl should play hard to get? Oh, I do, I do, I do. In a cooperative sort of way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nightingales and monkey tails. All right, all right. 
Effie, you must come over to the party I'm giving at my house tonight. Oh, good. Yes. Can I make the eggnogs? Oh, fine. Well, tell me, Effie, uh, how do you make them? Well, I have my own recipe. You yeah? Take the whites of eggs, you see. Uh-huh. And then you beat them until, uh, oh, until, uh... Stiff? No, but I bet I will be. No, no. <laughs> I'll see you later. Right now, I have a date. A date to hear the charming Joan Merrill sing, Saturday night is the loneliest night in the week. If you please, Joan. Saturday night is the loneliest night of the week. Cause that's the night that my sweetie and I used to dance cheek to cheek. The night friends come to call And Monday to Friday go fast And another week is past But Saturday night is the loneliest night of the week I sing the song that I sang for the memories I usually see Until I hear you at the door Till you're in my arms Saturday night is the loneliest night in the week. Saturday night is the loneliest night in the week. Cause that's the night that my sweetie and I used to dance cheek to cheek. I don't mind Monday night at all. Sunday's the night that friends come to call. Friday goes fast And flash, flash Another week is past But Saturday night is the Loneliest night in the week I sing the song that I Sang for the memories I Usually see Until I hear you at the door And you're in My arms once more Saturday night Say, uh, Charlie, about this New Year's Eve party Edgar's giving tonight, is it uh, going to be a pretty swell affair? Probably be another one of those Bergen's brilliant, uh, spectacular washouts. <laughs> oh, I see, huh? I, uh, I heard what you said, young man. Oh, hello. Yeah. Will you be able to make the party tonight, Don? Oh, yes, Edgar. Uh, what time is your party going to start? Well, the smart set will arrive uh, rather late. Ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the smarter set won't arrive at all. <laughs> I, uh... I want to tell you, though, that the high spot of the evening will be at midnight. Yes. And that's when I'm going to portray the part of Father Time. Oh, you picked a nice role. Yeah. <laughs> you won't have to make up. All right. <laughs> I've invited several movie producers, and if I do say so myself, I have something I think they've all been looking for. Oh, I'm not that handsome. <laughs> or am I? Yeah. But this is, I do really think, a superb play. 
Yeah? Yes. Well, who wrote it? <laughs> Modesty forbids me from mentioning the genius's name. <laughs> Whoever could you mean? <laughs> As if I didn't know. Yeah. Well, I wrote it. No. Yeah, yeah. And I might add, this play of mine is ten years ahead of the time. Uh, we'll wait, we'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> and what's more, my play... My play is allegorical. Where are you going to get the alligators? No, no. <laughs> How would you like to hear one of my best speeches? With cotton in my ears. No, please, no, no. That's delayed. Yes, yes, yes. I like this particular scene. I'm glad you do. I am old, 1944. It's been a long, hard year. But I am content to go. Content to go. Mm-hmm. Would you mind aiming those T's a little to the windward? All right. <laughs> They're a bit juicy. <laughs> that is, if you don't mind too much. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Young man, I want you to know that I have taken diction lessons. From who, Donald Duck? No, no, no. <laughs> <clears throat> and some more of my best lines are, Off with the old, on with the new. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> I am a wretched soul, bruised by adversity. Why don't you sue him? Oh, now, please. <laughs> Charlie, do you realize that tonight's performance may alter the whole course of my life? Is that so? Yes. Well, no matter where they take you, Bergen, I'll always come and see you on Visitor's Day. Well, thank you. <laughs> and I've written a wonderful part for you. Yeah? Yes. Well, now it looks better. Yes. You play Little New Year of 1945. I do? That's right. See. And sort of the juvenile lead. That's right, yes. You come out wearing a ribbon across your chest that says 1945. Yeah? Yes. Gee. Won't that be kind of drafty? No. <laughs> uh, well, well, what else do I wear? I hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, what do babies usually wear? Well, uh... Oh, no, no. You mean with a safety pin? Well, of course. No, no, you don't, Megan. Listen, no, Charlie, no, a thousand times nay, Charlie. No, listen, take your hands off. No, all right, listen. You don't get me wearing one of those three-cornered Snuggies. No, Charlie. No. Charlie, what do you think I am? Gypsy Rose McCarthy? All right. Listen, Charlie, it's too late now. I can't get anyone else to play the part. Mr. Bergen, Charlie. No, Charlie. No. All right. Do you realize what you're asking me to do? Oh, yes. Do you realize... All right. Do you realize what you're doing to a child of my tender years? Yes, yes, but now be reasonable. No, I won't be reasonable. Charlie. Charlie. Let go of my lap, oh. Charlie. <laughs> No, this is very important to me. I will not, I will not appear in public wearing nothing but my goose pimples. No. Charlie. No, no. You look cute. No, I wouldn't. My legs are so sway-backed. Oh, they're not sway Why, you'll make a splendid 1945. No, I won't. Yes, you will. I'm so puny. You're not. Everybody will think there's a tough year ahead. No, 
Ah, you're so sensitive. Well, I I have reasons to be. Why? No, certain other things. What is it? Well, if you must know, I I got a mole on my tummy. Oh! <laughs> yeah. But, Charlie, everything depends on you. What do you mean? Well, I, I'm, I'm in a spot, Charlie. Oh, you are? Yes. Oh, you're in a spot. Well, of course. Why, I'll do anything if you'll agree to play this part. You will? Yes. Well, now you said something. Yeah. That's all I want to know, Bergen. Yeah. Then you will play it? On what <coughs> condition? All right. First, you got to cancel all those New Year's resolutions you just made out for me. Yes, but Charlie... And second, now that you'll sign all my report cards in the future with your eyes closed. Yeah, but Charlie... And, of course, my 75 cents allowance... Yes. ...will come up for a negotiation. Is that so? <laughs> Each new year for the past 81 has brought Chase and Sanborn Coffee new friends. The reason for that, in a single word, is F-L-A-V-O-R, flavor. Yes, Chase and Sanborn has spelled superb coffee flavor for the past 81 years. And today it's doubly popular because it passes both of the two big coffee tests. With meals, breakfast, luncheon, dinner, supper... Chase and Sanborn Coffee sets off all the other food flavors to supreme advantage. And all alone between meals, its delicious flavor is even more attractive, more pleasing, completely satisfying. In the middle of the morning or mid-afternoon, when you want coffee for coffee's sake, Chase and Sanborn all by itself really makes the occasion. In the past year, more people enjoyed Chase and Sanborn Coffee than ever before. That's the biggest swing in our 81 years of making finer coffee. You're entitled to Chase and Sanborn goodness, too. There's no reason to take anything less. So make the most of your opportunity in the year ahead. Always ask for Chase and Sanborn coffee. Edgar, have you ever read a book by Jack Goodman and Alan Green called How to Do Practically Anything? Well, I already know. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, I see. Well, uh, tell me, how are you at skiing? Well, it so happens I just bought my first pair of skis. Oh, well, then sit down, sit down, and listen to what the Messrs. G say about skiing. <clears throat> Skiers are an institution as old as the hills. The hills, however, are somewhat smarter. They stay put. <laughs> Skiing entered my mind one evening as I was in the parlor practicing approach shots with my niblick. I'm sure if my wife hadn't entered the room so suddenly, I would not have been startled into knocking the ball into her favorite vase. You can't even be trusted in the living room. Darling, I'm uh, thinking of giving up golf. Good. For skiing. Skiing? Mm -hmm. What would you do with those great big things on your feet? Those other great big things. <laughs> Tomorrow we buy skis. Buy skis? Never. Well, uh, what do you expect me to ski on? Being a perfect lady... <laughs> she didn't answer. The first thing to know, of course, is a few simple skiing terms. Herring boning, for instance. Herring boning is a method of going uphill. 
The expert skier leaves tracks in the snow resembling a herring's spine. Your tracks will resemble your spine. <laughs> and then there's the kick turn. Now, to describe the kick turn would involve a long discussion on how to get back on your feet. And this would get us into a discussion of how to remove foul skis. This is a maneuver in which you draw one knee sharply up to your chin. Of course, that gets us into the problem of what to do for a bitten tongue. <laughs> but enough of details. I shall never forget my first downhill run. The wind was whizzing past my ears, and I was whizzing past other people's ears. <laughs> Suddenly, I knew why people went skiing. Here, at last, was the poetry of motion. Poetry. Unbroken poetry. Two broken arms. <laughs> and a pair of skis for sale. Charlie, Charlie. Wow. Wait a minute. Charlie, what's that crazy-looking contraption you have there? Well, this is a machine I built so you can look back into any time in history. Oh, I see. I call it the, the McCarthy look back a scope uh-huh. <laughs> A sort of a time machine. Yeah, that's right. I, I brought it over to demonstrate it. Well, you switch on a little thing there, and you'll be surprised what turns up. Hello, Edgar. Happy New Year to you, Charlie. Well, Charles Lawton. the coming year will bring you the best of everything. And the same to you, Mr. Lawton. Thank you. As one friend to another, may fortune continue to smile upon you. Thank you, Chuck. Mm -hmm. Now that that's over, how are you doing, mahogany puss? <laughs> well, pretty good, Buckethead. What? Uh, well, well, what I mean is, Mr. Lawton... You, you look so handsome tonight and so slender. Oh, you noticed that. Yes, That's I true. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, or is it too late to expect a Christmas present? Well, no. <laughs> well, hardly expect a present after a remark like that. Oh, are you mad at me, Mr. Lawton? Oh, certainly not, Charlie. I love you like my own brother. I didn't know you had one. I haven't. Oh, <laughs> I say, Charlie, what is that horrible-looking monstrosity you've got there? Is that something new? No, Bergen's been with me for years. <laughs> no, no, I mean that crazy-looking machine. Well, that's a contraption Charlie whipped up. It's for looking into the past, Charles. Well, it looks more like a combination pants presser, lightning rod, and nutmeg grater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right, wise guy, yeah. Go ahead and laugh. Go ahead, yeah. You know, they laughed at Franklin, but he went ahead and invented lightning anyway. <laughs> but he did. All right. Aren't you smart, Alex? All right. <laughs> Forgive me, Charlie, but... <laughs> Forgive me, Charlie, but how in the world can you build a machine to look back on time? Well, I took an alarm clock and turned it inside out. <laughs> I presume it operates on the theory of uh, chronological inversion. Uh, no. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Nothing of the kind. It runs on batteries. Oh, I see. <laughs> Would you let me see that thing? I say, is there any electricity in this wire? Ouch! 
Does that answer your question? <laughs> it does. What's the top row of buttons for? Well, you push those to tune in on the centuries, you see. And then the second row is for different parts of the world. Well, what's this little red button down here in the corner? Well, that opens a drawbridge in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. How it got there, I'll never know. <laughs> well, I'm going to push one of these buttons. Now, let me see. 17th century... 1615. That should be interesting. Mm -hmm. Here goes. All right. There you see, Tony. I think it needs a lube job. Look, see? See on the screen there, see? There's a little fella standing on a boat. Ahoy there. Who are you? I'm Christopher Gazzola Columbus. Ahoy. <laughs> Christopher Columbus, huh? Yeah, sure. What else? I got a special rates for fishing trips. Fishing trips? Right. Yeah. Two day cruises to no place and your money back if I discover America. Yeah. <laughs> You'd swear that was Don Amici, wouldn't you? <laughs> Let's try something else. Say about the 16th century. Okay. I'll set it at 300 kilobicycles and. <laughs> Super Hepzibob. Uh, press the button. Yeah. There we go. See? See? But look, Charlie. Why, there's a beautiful palace. There's a king. Why, that's Henry VIII. Ha-ha. Welcome, me hearties. Wouldst care to look around? Oh, we'd love to, Your Majesty. Wouldst prefer ye 40 centi tour or ye 60 centi tour? <laughs> well, what's the difference? 20 centis. <laughs> If I remember my history correctly, King Henry, you had many problems during your reign. How are things now? Alas, not too well. Gadzooks, I hardly know where my next wife is coming from. <laughs> That's right. Most of your wives ended up on the chopping block, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Hank, you, had, you were quite a lady killer, weren't you? <laughs> Yay, thou shouldst have been here yestereve. We had a double header. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why did you behead your last wife? Didn't like a hairdo. I see. Uh, pardon me, Your Majesty. You haven't eaten for 20 minutes, you know. So I brought you a tray of roast veal, pork pies, stuffed tripe, and a nice side saddle of mutton. That's a pretty sight, forsooth. Hand me that leg of veal and bring two more. Why stuff yourself with veal? Hast thou not heard? It goes back on ration points tomorrow. <laughs> You know, that food looks pretty good. Do you mind if I take this little chicken leg? <coughs> oh, you don't have to break my arm. Well, then keep your dirty lunch grapplers out of my chow, you nasty little snitch. Well, I'll get rid of you. Push the button. Now, look what we tuned in out here. Oh, there's a fellow with his arm around a girl. Ah, my beautiful Josephine. Oh, my Napoleon. Oh, Napoleon, I love you. This is good, Napoleon and Josephine. Ah, Josephine, my beloved. I ask from you but one little favor. You have but to ask. When you use the toothpaste, will you please put the cap back on? <laughs> and it makes you get around, doesn't it? Yeah. Let's push the 1700 button. Okay. Look, look. There's a man under a tree. 
You know, he looks a little like Sir Isaac Newton, Charlie. What's he saying? In the shade of the old apple tree. Well, it is Newton. Yeah, what are you sitting on an apple tree? Well, you see, old boy, if I sit here long enough, an inspiration strikes me. There's one now. <laughs> oh, I remember. That's the way you discovered gravity, wasn't it? <laughs> Perfectly right, yes. I'm now working on mass production, you know. Gravity will soon be in the homes of the poor as well as the rich. <laughs> yeah. Then you think you'll clean up with it? Well, my dear fellow, think what it'll mean to the suspender business. I say, would you be good chaps and mind pushing another button and just stop pestering me? Yes, 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 sir. That's a good idea. Yes, it is. Uh, let's push the first button and we can go back just as far as we can. Yes, all the way back. Why, we might even talk to Plato. Yeah, or one of those Greek philosophers like uh, Acidophilus, or what's his name? <laughs> oh, boys. Ooh. Oh, how do you do? Are you uh, Socrates or... <laughs> you mean Socrates? Oh, no, I'm Nero. Oh. I hope you don't mind uh, of us uh, dropping in on you, Nero. Not at all. Would you like to come to our fire sale on Monday? I'll be there playing a hot fiddle. Oh, I... <laughs> well, why don't you play something now? Oh, with pleasure. What did you like? Well, you see, how about uh, being ever so humble? There's no blaze like Rome. <laughs> <laughs> Most happy to oblige. Uh, oh, oh, fiddlesticks. There goes my E string. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going? Out to get another string. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> Pleasant memories return. A troop of them. Of good food, good company, and your own enjoyment at sight of a cup and saucer. Yes, your coffee cup will always be a symbol of pleasure at the table if you'll take the precaution to fill it with Chase and Sanborn coffee. This richer blend brings you all the flavor your cup can possibly hold. A wealth of rich goodness, <coughs> deep down, wholehearted, and completely satisfying. That's why the memory of each delicious sip lingers and calls for more. That's why millions upon millions of people through the past 81 years have preferred the superb blend. And in the past year, more people enjoyed Jason Sanborn coffee than ever before. That's a new high, a new record, the biggest swing in our entire history. Follow that lead, and this week, get all the coffee goodness you're entitled to. Go the limit, get all you can. Ask your grocer for delicious Chase and Sanborn coffee. Well, I guess that's it. Happy New Year, everybody. And you, Bergen, I know you have a happy New Year. Well, why, Charlie? Why are you so sure? Well, every year's happy for you if I'm around. <laughs> happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, Charlie and Ed Bergen. <laughs> Be with us again next week when Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Don Amici, Ray Noble, Joan Merrill, and all of us have as our guest the inimitable Carmen Miranda.
This week, when you're buying coffee, think of us and ask for Chase and Sanborn coffee. Coffee made to serve in times like these. Charles Lawton is currently being seen in The Suspect. This is Bill Foreman saying goodnight from Hollywood's Radio City. Made your New Year resolutions yet, ladies? Here's a good one. Resolve to keep your family happy with plenty of fine table spread. Give them Blue Bonnet, the delicious new margarine, a product of the makers of Flashman's Yeast. Blue Bonnet is wonderful. It brings you flavor, nutrition, economy, all three. Serve Blue Bonnet to your fussiest guests. They love its fresh, delicate flavor. Give it to the family at every meal. Delicious Blue Bonnet is a real food, rich in energy, rich in vitamin A. And it costs so little in points and money that you can spread it on twice as thick. So, ladies, remember the letters F-N-E for flavor, nutrition, economy. Blue Bonnet Margarine gives all three flavor, nutrition, economy. Get Flashman's Blue Bonnet from your grocer the very first time you go to the store. Liddy and I will be back next month to discuss a film from 1940 called Santa Fe Trail, and it has an amazing cast, including Errol Flynn, Olivia de Havilland, Raymond Massey, and Ronald Reagan. We look forward to bringing you that show and 10 more just like it in 2019. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. See your lips moving. Which one of us is the dummy?